part one chapter one of the magnificent adventure this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by april six zero nine zero california united states of america the magnificent adventure by emerson huff chapter one mother and son a woman tall somewhat angular dark of hair and eye strong of features a woman now approaching middle age sat looking out over the long tree-clad slopes that ran down from the gallery front of the mansion house to the gate at the distant roadway she had sat thus for some moments many moments her gaze intently fixed as though waiting for something something or someone that she did not now see but expected soon to see it was late afternoon of a day so beautiful that not even old albemarle beauty spot of virginia ever produced one more beautiful not in the hundred years preceding that day nor in the century since then for this was more than a hundred years ago and what is now an ancient land was then a half-opened region settled only here and there by the great plantations of the well-to-do the house that lay at the summit of the long and gentle slope flanked by its wide galleries its flung doors opening it from front to rear to the gaze as one approached had all the rude comfort and assuredness usual with the gentry of that time and place it was the privilege and the habit of the widow lewis to sit idly when she liked but her attitude now was not that of idleness intentness reposeful acceptance of life rather showed in her motionless long-sustained position she was patient as women are but her strong pose its freedom from material support her restrained power to do or to endure gave her the look of owning something more than resignation something more than patience a strong figure of a woman one would have said had one seen her sitting on the gallery of her old home a hundred and twenty-four years ago the widow lewis stared straight down at the gate a quarter of a mile away with yearning in her gaze but as so often happens what she awaited did not appear at the time and place she herself had set there fell at the western end of the gallery a shadow a tall shadow but she did not see it she did not hear the footfall not stealthy but quite silent with which the tall owner of the shadow came toward her from the gallery end it was a young man or rather boy no more than eighteen years of age who stood now and gazed at her after his silent approach so like that of an indian savage half savage himself he seemed now as he stood clad in the buckskin garments of the chase then not unusual in the virginian borderlands among settlers and hunters and not held outre among a people so often called to the chase or to war his tunic was of dressed deer hide his well-fitting leggings also of that material his feet were covered with moccasins although his hat and the neat scarf at his neck were those of a gentleman he was a practical youth one would have said for no ornament of any sort was to be seen upon his garb in his hand he carried a long rifle of the sort then used thereabout 
at his belt swung the hide of a raccoon the bodies of a few squirrels had you been a close observer you would have found each squirrel shot fair through the head indeed a look into the gray eye of the silent paced youth would have assured you in advance of his skill with his weapons you would have known that to be natural with him you would not soon have found his like even in that land of tall hunting men he was a grand young being as he stood there straight and clean-limbed hard-bitten of muscle albeit so young powerful and graceful in his stride the beauty of youth was his and of a strong heredity that you might have seen the years of youth were his yes but the lightness of youth did not rest on his brow while he was not yet eighteen the gravity of manhood was his he did not smile now as he saw his mother sitting there absorbed gazing out for his return and not seeing him now that he had returned instead he stepped forward and quietly laid a hand upon her shoulder not with any attempt to surprise or startle her but as if he knew that she would accept it as the announcement of his presence he was right the strong figure in the chair did not start away no exclamation came from the straight mouth of the face now turned toward him evidently the nerves of these two were not of the sort readily stampeded the young man's mother at first did not speak to him she only reached up her own hand to take that which lay upon her shoulder they remained thus for a moment until at last the youth stepped back to lean his rifle against the wall i am late mother said he at length as he turned and seating himself at her feet threw his arm across her lap himself but a boy again now and not the hunter and the man she stroked his dark hair not foolishly fond but with a sort of stern maternal care smoothing it back in place where it belonged straightening out the riot it had assumed it made a mane above his forehead and reached down his neck to his shoulders so heavy that where its dark mass was lifted it showed the skin of his neck white beneath you are late yes and you waited so long i am always waiting for you marin said she she used the elizabethan vowel as one should pronounce bird with no sound of you marin the name sounded as she spoke it and her voice was full and rich and strong as was her son's musically strong i'm always waiting for you marin said she but i long ago learned not to expect anything else of you she spoke with not the least reproach in her tone no i only knew that you would come back in time because you told me that you would and you did not fear for me then gone overnight in the woods he half smiled at the thought himself you know i would not i know you what you are born woodsman no i trust you to care for yourself in any wild country my son and to come back and then to go back again into the forest when will it be my son tomorrow in two days or four or six sometime you will go to the wilderness again it draws you does it not she turned her head slightly toward the west where lay the forest from which the boy had but now emerged he did not smile did not deprecate he was singularly mature in his actions though but eighteen years of age 
i did not desert my duty mother said he at length oh no you would not do that mairn returned the widow please mother said he suddenly i want you to call me by my full name that of your people am i not merryweather too the hand on his forehead ceased its gentle movement fell to its owner's lap a sigh passed his mother's set lips yes my son merryweather said she this is the last journey i have lost you then it seems you do not wish to be my boy any longer you are a man altogether then i am merryweather lewis mother said he gravely no more yes she spoke absently musingly yes you always were i went westward clear across the ragged mountains said the youth these and he pointed with contempt to the small trophies at his belt will do for the darkies at the stables i put yon ringtail up a tree last night on my way home and thought it was as well to wait till dawn till i could see the rifle sights and afterward the woods were beautiful to-day as to the trails even if there is no trail i know the way back home you know that mother i know that son yes you were born for the forest i fear i shall not hold you long on this quiet farm all in time mother i am to stay here with you until i am fitted to go higher you know what mr jefferson has said to me i am for washington mother one of these days for i hold it sure that mr jefferson will go there in some still higher place he was my father's friend and is ours still it may be that you will go to washington my son said his mother i do not know but will you stay there the forest will call to you all your life all your life do i not know you then can i not see your life all your life as plainly as if it were written do i not know your mother why should not your mother know he looked around at her rather gravely once again unsmilingly for he rarely smiled how do you know mother what do you know tell me about myself then i will tell you also we shall see how we agree as to what i am and what i ought to do my son it is no question of what you ought to do for that blends too closely in fate with what you surely will do must do because it was written for you yonder forest will always call to you she turned now toward the sun sinking across the red-leaved forest lands the wilderness is your home you will go out into it and return often and then at last you will go and not come back again not to me not to any one will you come back the youth did not move as she sat her hands on his head her voice went on even and steady you are old merryweather lewis it is time now you are a man you always were a man you were born old you never have been a boy and never can be one you never were a child but always a man when you were a baby you did not smile when you were a boy you always had your way my boy a long time ago i ceased to oppose that will of yours i knew that it was useless but ah how i have loved that will when i felt it was behind your promise i knew you would do what you had set for yourself to do i knew you would come back with deeds in your hand my boy gained through that will which never would bend for me or for any one else in the world he remained motionless apparently unaffected as his mother went on you were always old always grown up always resolved always your own master 
always Meriwether Lewis. When you were born, you were not a child. When the old nurse brought you to me, I can see her black face grinning now. She carried you held by the feet instead of lying on her arm. You stood. You were so strong. Your hair was dark and full even then. You were old. In two weeks you turned where you heard a sound. You recognized sight and sound together, as no child usually does for months. You were beautiful, my boy. So strong, so straight. Ah, yes. But you never were a boy at all. When you should have been a baby, you did not weep and you did not smile. I never knew you to do so. From the first, you were always a man. She paused, but still he did not speak. That was well enough, for later we were left alone. But your father was in you. Do I not know well enough where you got that settled melancholy of yours, that despondency, that somber grief? Call it what you like. That marked him all his life. And even in his death, that came from him, your father. I thank God I did not give you that, knowing what life must hold for you in suffering. He suffered, yes, but not as you will. And you must, you must, my son. Beyond all other men, you will suffer. You were better named Cassandra, mother. Yet the young man scarce smiled even now. Yes, I am a prophetess. All too sooth a prophetess. My son, I see a head as only a mother can see. Perhaps as only one of the old Highland blood can see. I am soothseer and soothsayer. Because you are blood of my blood, bone of my bone. And I cannot help but know. I cannot help but know what that melancholy and that resolution, all these combined, must spell for you. You know how his heart was racked at times? The boy nodded now. The know-how your own must be racked in turn, said she. My son, it is no ordinary fate that will be yours. You will go forward at all costs. You will keep your word bright as the knife in your belt. You will drive yourself. What that means to you in agony. What that means when your will is set against the unalterable and the inevitable. I wish, oh, I wish I could not see it. But I do see it now, all laid out before me. All, all. Oh, Marin, may I not call you Marin once more before I let you go? She let her hands fall from his head to his shoulders as she gazed steadily out beyond him, as if looking into his future. But she herself sat, her strong face composed. She might, indeed, have been a prophetess of old. Tragedy is yours, my son, said she slowly, not happiness. No woman will ever come and lie in your arms, happy and content. Mother, he half flung off her hands, but she laid them again more firmly on his shoulders, and went on speaking, as if half in reverie, half in trance. Looking down the long slope of green and gold, as it showed the vista of the years. You will love, my boy. But with your nature, how could love mean happiness to you? Love? No man could love more terribly. You will be intent, resolved. But the firmness of your will means that much more suffering for you. You will suffer, my boy. I see that for you. My firstborn boy. You will love. Why should you not? A man fit to love and be loved by any woman? But that love, the stronger it grows, will but burn you the deeper. You will struggle through on your own path. But happiness does not lie at the end of that path for you. 
you will succeed yes you could not fail but always the load on your shoulders will grow heavier and heavier you will carry it alone until at last it will be too much for you your strong heart will break you will lie down and die such a fate for you mairn my boy such a man as you will be she sighed shivered and looked about her startled as if she had spoken aloud in some dream well then go on she said and withdrew her hands from his shoulders the faces of both were now gazing straight on over the gold-flecked slope before them go on you are a man i know you will not turn back from what you undertake you will not change you will not turn because you cannot you were born to earn and not to own to find but not to possess but as you have lived so you will die you give me no long shrift mother said the youth with a twinkle in his eye how can i i can only tell you what is in the book of life do i not know a mother always loves her son so it takes all her courage to face what she knows will be his lot any mother can read her son's future if she dares to read it she knows she knows there was a long silence then the widow continued listen mairn she said you call me a prophetess of evil i am not that do you think i speak only in despair my boy no there is something larger than mere happiness listen and believe me for now i could not fail to know i tell you that your great desire the great wish of your life shall be yours you never will relinquish it you always will possess it and at last it will be yours again silence fell between them before she went on her hand again resting on her son's dark hair your great desire will cost me my son be it so we breed men for the world we women and we give them up out of the agony of our hearts we do and must always give them up that is the price i must pay but i give you up to the great hope the great thing of your life should i complain am i not your mother and therefore a woman and should a woman complain but oh mairn mairn my son my boy she drew his head back so that she could see deep into his eyes her dark brows half frowning she gazed down upon him not so much in tenderness as in intentness for the first time in many months for the last time in his life she kissed him on the forehead and then she let him go he rose now and silently as he had come passed around the end of the wide gallery her gaze did not follow him she sat still looking down the golden green slope where the leaves were dropping silently she sat her chin in her hand her elbows upon her knees facing that future sombre but splendid to which she had devoted her son and which in later years he so singularly fulfilled that was the time when the mother of meriwether lewis gave him to his fate his fate so closely linked with yours and mine End of part one chapter one